Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. All right, I want to greet everybody here that's here in person, all of you online, so good to be together. If we haven't met, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church. We're so glad you're tuning in or you came in. Um, and yes, uh, buy my soup first, buy Pastor Terry's soup second. I, I, you know, I, I'm still dealing with the sin of self-centeredness. I'm trying to get over that. Um, but we are so uh, thankful for Brian and, and all the groups that are investing in these young adults, really, who are uh, getting out of their comfort zone and, and going to a land they know not to help friends and brothers and sisters uh, that they haven't met yet. So it's exciting work. And that's really kind of behind our teaching series. We're closing it out today. Um, I'm going to let you, you know, we're going to close this out and I'm going to let you know where we're going. Uh, this blessed series has been about fulfilling Jesus's commandment to love our neighbor. All of us are gathered here. All of you are tuning in online because we're really working hard to love God or to experience God's love ourselves. But the problem with church folk too many times, and I can fall into that as easy as the next, is we come here, we have this amazing experience, we love God, we hug our friends, we leave here, and we totally forget about loving our neighbors. We get consumed, as I said, with self-centeredness, other things. So we've been looking at this B-L-E-S-S, be in prayer, listen with care, eat together. That was my favorite. Um, Hey, serve in love, and today share your story. Um, as ways, everyday ways, uh, to love your neighbor and change the world. I'm going to tell you where we're going. I'm going to preach this last sermon. Then I'm going to give you homework, okay? Because the Blessed Series was a training session. Now we got put in action. My grandma used to say, faith is putting legs up under what you believe. So we're going to try to provide some legs for that. Here's where we're going. uh, The Wednesday of this week, um, oh, I didn't turn this on. That'll help. Um, this next series is out of our core values, safety. We have five core values at Garfield. Safety is our first core value. We have said since I got here 20 years ago, we want to be a safe place to search. I can get my feelings hurt in the world. I don't need to come in and get them hurt in church. It's got to be a safe place, right? Some people say, you know, I'm so advanced in my faith. Great. Don't burn down the school just because you graduated. Let the rest of us catch up, Okay. Um, we want to be a safe place to search. I was talking with a family recently, and I asked about uh, them coming here, and they were dealing um, with some real struggles in their family, a teenager um, that was struggling with, you know, sexual identity and other things. And, and uh, they got very, very wounded in a church. They were talked to very unkindly, spoken to. They said our teenager um, actually hated God because of it. And that frustrates me, you know, that my wife and I always say we never want to be a stumbling block, right? We want to help people get to Jesus. You remember Jesus told the preachers, said, not only do you not go in the kingdom, read Matthew 23, 
You actually stand in the door and block it so nobody else can come in. Okay? And, and so they said, and I, and I said to them, I say to a lot of people, why in the world did you come in here and give us a second chance? And they said, because of our hairdresser. Our hairdresser, was, she was listening to my story and my pain. And she said to me, you need to come to our church. And she said, didn't you hear me? I don't want anything to do with any church. She said, yeah, but our church won't treat you like that. And uh, she said, now my teenager is quoting your sermons to his classmates uh, that don't go to church at school. Because why? Safety. Safe place to search. We see that today. And we're going to dig into the questions Jesus asked. This is such a great series to invite your friends to go. Maybe they won't watch online. Maybe they don't trust us. Go to their home, watch it with them. Take them to lunch. Because we're wrestling with the questions Jesus asked. Not all the pontificating that preachers do. But Jesus asking questions like, we're going to start off with, what are you looking for? Right? Um, Who do you say I am? Do you love me? We're going to kick that off. Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day. You can get ashes in the morning. You can come with us at noon. Or you can come. We're going to have a brief service, 645 to 730. I'm only going to preach 12 minutes so you can get to your favorite restaurant. Trust me. Uh, But I love that Lent and the journey of 40 days, some of us call to go to Easter is, is beginning in a day we talk about relational love because on the cross we see love, relational love to the utmost degree, right? And also house of prayer, we've been talking about Pastor Lori and I and Fred and others who do house of prayer Monday nights at 630. We're, we're going to kind of do what I did on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're going to, at house of prayer, these questions, right? These questions that really stir things up. Uh, and whoever was preaching or one of our pastors or leader house of prayer will come in for soaking prayer. It's such an important time to just rest before God, reflect with God, um, and then share, share something from the message Sunday or, you know, uh, go deeper with it or talk about the question, talk about prayer, interact, have communion. And I was sharing that, you know, some people tell me I want to get out in person. I couldn't make it on the weekend. Come on Monday night, 630. Um, or, or if you need prayer, you're, you're looking for community, come on out. So we'll be doing that. Okay. So basically today I want to talk about share your story. What we have is a woman, you know, there is a woman at the well, if you've read the Bible or heard about her, um, there's two parts to this story. The first part is her encounter with Jesus. It becomes a, an event of life changing magnitude. And what Brian read for us was the second part of the story. What does she do after that encounter? Does she say, oh, me and Jesus have our own thing going? Too bad for you? Or does she, uh, you know, outflow? Does she share her story? And we're going to focus on this word testimony, right? It says the woman left her water jar, went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And then all the way down to verse 39, many Samaritans from that city believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. Hold on to that word. He told me everything I have ever done. Testimony, literally in the Greek, it's the word martyreo, which means literally this, to bear witness that provides a firsthand authentication of a fact of importance for many people. So, you know, testimony is often used where? In court, right? Because we're counting on somebody to come in, a witness that saw something that will authenticate something that we all need to know to evaluate 
the case that's before us, right? So she now has a testimony. She has eyewitness um, proof. She's got an experience that's going to be important to everybody. And she does something. She shares her story. I'm going to talk about what to know when you share your testimony, right? What to share. And then three quick hows, how we should share it. But she shares her testimony. And if I were being scholarly, I would say first she does it subjectively, then she does it objectively. What does that mean? Subjectively, she's sharing something that's true to her as a subject, her own experience. Objectively, she's sharing something that's true to everybody. Look at the first part. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She's saying a man talked to me personally about my life. Now, this is stunning. Did you hear at the beginning? Uh, it says where we started the story, where Brian started to read, it said the disciples had returned. Jesus sent them into town to buy food. And now the disciples come back. And in our translation was kind of mild. It said that they were surprised that he was talking to a woman. Actually, that word in the Greek, it literally says they were astonished, a little bit offended. He was talking to a woman. Why? First, in that patriarchal day and age, a man never spoke to a woman who was not part of his family in public. Didn't happen. Was not supposed to happen, right? Secondly, the Jews and the Samaritans were ethnic enemies. They despised each other. See, the Jews were in the south in Judah and Jerusalem. The Samaritans were Jews in the north who Assyria had come and conquered. And then what happened is in the north, they started intermarrying with, you know, Arabic Samaritan or uh, Assyrians. And they had multiracial families. And the Jewish people accused them of staining the blood. You know, you have, you have uh, intermingled the pure blood. And so it was a racial barrier. There was a gender barrier, and there's a racial barrier. And there was a barrier of a social class. This woman is at the bottom of the social ladder. Okay, come on, Chip, are you just putting hair on this story? No. When does she go to the well? She goes, if you read early, she goes at noon. Nobody goes to get water at noon in the desert. This is an arid climate. You know, and nobody goes alone. The, the women of the town would always go early in the morning. Why? Because <clears throat> it was cooler. And also, you need water for the whole day, right? For your washing, for your cooking. You would always go in the morning. Not her. She goes at noon. And you don't go alone. It makes you vulnerable, especially as a woman that day and age. Thieves and thugs. The only reason that she is out there by herself at noontime in high heat is she has been totally marginalized by her community by her town. She's at the bottom of the social ladder and Jesus doesn't care. He reaches right through the gender barrier. He reaches right through the racial barrier. He reaches right through the social barrier and he engages her personally. And she'd never seen that before. And the disciples, the religious people are astonished, right? And because Jesus is, is breaking through these boundaries. She had never seen somebody, he's a rabbi, up on the social ladder who doesn't care about the ladders that everybody else in the world is obsessed with. 
He cares more about her. And he comes to engage her. Let me make the point further. He wants to engage her personally, one-on-one. How do I know that? Who sends 12 guys into town to get food for 13 people? Like, what they do? I'll come back with a slice of bread and an egg? Like, you don't do that. If you had a small group of 13 people, you might send two or three. You don't need to send 12 dudes to go to town to get food for 13 people. The only reason he did that is Jesus wanted intimate, personal time alone with her. It's important to her. So here's the first thing you need to know about sharing the witness, sharing your testimony, sharing your story. You don't have to be an expert witness. I hear this all the time. Oh, Pastor Chip, I knew the Bible like you did. Oh, I just don't know enough on this. We didn't, we're not asking you to share, you know, John's story. We're not asking you to share Matthew's story. Share your story. What has Jesus done in your life? This, this woman doesn't know very much, but she comes to the core of the gospel. She said, here's a man up the ladders, not caring about the ladders. And he's talking to me about living water, which is spiritual satisfaction, filling me in the inner places. And he's telling me by his actions that this salvation is available for anybody. It's not just for the good people. It's not just for the responsible people. It's, it's not just for the, you know, moral people. It's for anybody. He's here for me. He's come for me. She was experiencing grace long before Paul ever wrote about it. She was experiencing it. And you ever thought about Paul? Do you know Paul had more degrees than a thermometer? He was trained at the finest seminaries. He'd been to all the best schools. He could quote the scriptures in Hebrew and Koine Greek. He could read them forward and backward. He knew more. He'd been popular, you know, on the internet. He'd be a, you know, a, a, you know, he'd be the guy you go to on the top of the mountain to get spiritual enlightenment. And he flat out sucked as an evangelist. He was lousy at it. He hurt people. He knew all this scripture, all this law, all this Bible, dedicated his life to God and killed people doing it. Only when he experienced grace where Jesus said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, therefore, now I know when I'm weak, I'm strong. And and, and he said, God's grace toward me has not been without effect. And at that point, he became the greatest church planter the world's ever seen. See, what do you need to have a testimony? You need to experience the grace of God, right? And the second thing is she's, she's telling them a truth, and this is really important. Um, here's how the people responded. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've now heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. What she has learned to tell people, right, is tell them Jesus is for anybody and everybody. See, when you talk to people, um, you're not, I get so frustrated. You know, people who sometimes feel, I got to share the gospel, I got to witness to my faith. Um, They think going out and doing that is doing something to people. That's dangerous. What you're doing is something with the gospel, with the good news. She didn't go there and say, no, you need to do this and I can give you five steps to be a Christian and here's how you live as a Christian. She said, here's what Jesus Christ did for me. I don't know what he's gonna do for you. It'll probably look different. 
It'll probably shatter your categories. I'm going to talk about that. It'll probably blow your computer. He'll do, you know, he, he said to one person, go and do, and to another one, sit and listen. I don't know what his message is going to be for you, but I know he is a wonderful counselor. I know he has just the right thing to say. I know he is the prince of peace. And whatever he says to you, it may be totally different than what he did with me, but it's going to bring healing, and it's going to bring comfort, and it's going to quit keep you from walking the floor at three three o'clock in the morning wondering, is anybody there? He's breaking through the barriers to say, I'm here. Tell your story. What did God do for you? Right? And when you do that, all right, here's the house, three quick house in a few minutes here. Meet people where they are. <clears throat> when I came to Garfield 20 years ago, I had a preposterous idea. We were a church that was in 35 years of decline and membership and worship and kids ministry. Um, and I said, you know what? We're too daggone inward focused. All we do is look at each other. Before we do anything, we say, is it okay with you? <laughs> Who cares if it's okay with you? Is it okay with God? Is it what Jesus is asking of me? Is it in line with that? And I said, what if, what if we were church? What if I said this and folks in the early service, some of them have been with me 20 years. Uh, most of you have not. I don't think any of you have. Well, my wife's been with me 35. She doesn't count. But, I, huh? I, I, in the, in the, oh yeah, okay. See, I tell you, I tell you, I cannot say anything bad about my wife in this church. I was at a seminar, I was teaching. They said, oh, Chip, man. Uh, it seems like the people at your church, man, they really respect you. They really love you. I said, no, they really like me. But the, my wife, they love my wife. I can't say anything about my wife. I've done that before. You guys are like, I can't talk about her. Nope, nope, nope. I just meant she wasn't in the member count. Honey, oh, God. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Terry. Um, where was I? Um, where was I? I was somewhere. Oh, I said long ago, what if we were a church that just met people the way Jesus did? How many churches do that? What if we, what if we tried? What if we tried to meet people the way Jesus did, like he did this with some woman at the point of their need, where they are, and then lead them to a Jesus that shatters categories. See, Jesus will blow your computer. He will meet you right where you are, but he will not leave you that way. And all of us got, all, Jesus is saying, I have everything you ever wanted. I have everything you've ever aspired for. You've just all been going around it in the wrong way, including me. You're trying to earn it. You think it's going to be because of your moral goodness. You think about, no, I'm the savior of the world. I have what you need me to be when you need me to be it. Right? And, and, and he comes in, showers again, because he sa she says, well, I know one day the Messiah will come. Now, did the Samaritans believe in a Messiah? Yes and no. They believed in one they called Tahib. Tahib would come one day as a great teacher or a great prophet, right? And he would come and he would teach the Samaritans enlightenment. He would teach them, you know, how to live, right? He would do like all the founders do, follow the path. That's the way to God, Right? So with Buddha, it's the eightfold, uh, you know, journey toward enlightenment. With Muhammad, it's the five pillars of, of Islam for submission, right? They say, follow the teaching, follow the path, follow the way. Jesus shows up and says, I am the way. Don't follow my teaching, follow me. And that's what he does to this woman. She says, well, we know Tahib will come. We know a great teacher come. He says, yeah, I'm that. She goes, great. He goes, I'm more. 
Because one day people won't worship in your little church or your little mountain or that little temple. They will worship in spirit and in truth. They will know that I'm not just the savior of the Jews. I'm not just the savior of the Samaritans. I'm not just savior of the good people. I'm not just savior of one political party or the other. I'm savior of the world. My arms are stretched out to everyone. And that's what changed the people's lives. And it'll change yours and it'll break your categories. Second way to share your story, the other how, share it with transparency, simplicity, and courage. Do you see how transparent she is? Come and meet the man who told me everything about my life. She says, oh, she doesn't preach a sermon. She doesn't have a PowerPoint presentation. And all of us in the east suburbs of Cleveland go, well, how do you do that? You can, how do you communicate without all, right? She just tells her story. She's open. It's disarming, right? She doesn't buttonhole people on a street corner. She doesn't throw tracks in their face. She goes to her town. She goes to her people, people who knew her, even if they rejected her. And she said, this is what happened to me. She's transparent. It's disarming. And you know why some of you don't share your testimony like that? You know why I don't sometimes? Because we're afraid people will see the real you, right? We put on so many fronts. We spin so many stories. We can't be transparent, right? I remember during COVID, I had a brother come to me and said, I just don't like wearing a mask in church. I said, you've been doing that for two decades, <laughs> right? Like we, we got to, to really share our story. You got to be authentic. I remember when I was in an urban situation. I was working in ministry in my first church. I loved it. We were working with kids in gangs and, you know, really historically disadvantaged teenagers. I had two things going against me. One, I was a pastor. The church had not been kind to these young people. And two, I was white. Two reasons not to trust me. And I wanted to reach out to these kids. And I dressed down uh, and I played ball with them back then um, and all this stuff. And but still kind of get the side eyes and that until I had opportunities. And I told them, you know, um, I have a really, really fractured relationship with my dad. I told them my story. I got vulnerable and they paid attention because some of them had fractured relationships with their dad. And it's my willingness to be vulnerable, not be, you know, the right Reverend Dr. Freed, but just a broken person like them that has dad wounds and trying to get well. And here's the one who helped me get well. Here's where I found living water. See, we got to get past our own issues of trying our pretenses and be transparent. That's what she does. <clears throat> and she's simple. It, I love her simplicity, right? She, uh, she basically, you know, says, uh, just come meet Jesus, right? I'm, I'm not giving you five steps. I'm not. She doesn't know some important things about Jesus that we know. Like he died on a cross, he rose from the dead. She didn't even know that. But she says, come meet this man. How do you share your faith? It's Jesus. Joni Emerson Takata, I love her. Tata, she was a woman, went through a paralyzing accident, paraplegic, shared her faith for years. Excuse me, from a wheelchair. I love when she looked at a crowd and said, Christianity isn't complicated, it's Jesus. How do you share it simply as Jesus? Come meet this man who told me everything. Who healed my heart in places I didn't even know it was broken, right? So go see Jesus. Go meet Jesus. Rely on Jesus. Find out who he is. 
That's what we share and see if what happened to me might not happen to you. And you have to do it with courage, right? You have to do it with courage. <coughs> that word martyrio is a word that was used for martyr. Isn't it interesting that a word that was used for giving testimony to faith in Jesus became a word of giving your entire life, right? It takes bravery. It takes courage. Some people ridicule you sometimes, right? So, but be courageous people. So do it that way. And then finally, this is the most important. When giving your testimony, keep in mind the way Jesus treated you. Keep in mind, <coughs> excuse me, the way Jesus treated you. Why was she so humble? Why was she so disarming? Why was she so transparent? Because that's how she was treated by Jesus, right? Because she had received it. She was able to offer it, right? When you've experienced this kind of grace, <clears throat> when you see Jesus reaching through all the barriers just to come get you and treating you with such kindness and grace and patience and love, don't forget that when you go out to share your testimony with others. I'm getting so frustrated at Christians and specifically preachers, and almost all of them are men. In fact, they all are. Who are, who are just spouting this hatred and terrible things in the name of Jesus. I mean, Christian Twitter is hell. And, you know, I'm there because I'm a communicator in that. And, yeah, I jump in the fray once in a while, but just trying to say, hey, hey, bro, can you tap the brakes? And then I get slaughtered. It's a terrible world out there. You know what's wrong with these dudes? One, they couldn't get any dates in high school. I'm sure of that. But two, they are so insecure. They've never seen Jesus washing their feet. They've never seen Jesus coming to say, I want the real you, not the you you pretend to be. So they're angry about stuff. They're angry about female preachers. They're angry about the LGBT community. They're angry about Taylor Swift. What's wrong with you? My God, you just, I want to stop. You know, and this woman, this woman sees Jesus reaching through the barriers, gender, race, social class. But don't you know she's got a little hidden story? She's got a little hidden story and she goes, okay, he's going through all that, but thank God he doesn't know all about me. And see, here's these, here's these insecure preachers that could never go to prom. This is what they'd say. Oh yeah, she was a harlot. She just went through husbands. She traded one after the other, took their money, and now she's shacked up. Let me tell you something. That is some sexist crap. In that day and age, women did not have a power to initiate divorce. This is a woman who's been abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused. She's been handed from man to man to man to man to the point she's given up on marriage. She's given up on the hope of ever being loved. And she's with a dude now that says, well, at least he brings me dinner on five o'clock on Friday. Her expectations has gone to nothing. And she's so ashamed of what her life has come to. And, and Jesus says, go get your husband. See, there's a question Jesus could ask that right now that would make me shut up. Okay? Right in the middle of three speeches for and three speeches against and all the pontificating we see on TV. And Jesus could just say something and say, make me go, uh, mm. <laughs> you know? And, he, and what's he doing? What's he doing? She tries to change the subject. But Jesus says, I know everything about you. And here's living water. See, this woman, oh my God, 
This is why she shared her story, and this is why you should share yours. And if you don't share it, it's because you haven't experienced it. She said, here's a man reaching through every barrier that's supposed to keep us apart, and he knows me all the way through. He knows me down to the floor, but he loves me to the skies, and I've never seen anything like that before. Maybe he's some social activist. He can get through uh, this barrier, that barrier, but he knows me. He knows everything about me. And he said, I'm your savior too. I'm here for you. You know what, friends? This is the solution we've all been looking for. I'm going to close with this. It's the solution. You know, in South Africa, the, the um, Nadal tribe, they, don't, they have a, a term that they use for hello. Like we say, hi, hello, you know, street corner. You know what they say? Sawubona. Any South Africans here today? Get that right? Sawubona. And when they see you on the street, Sawubona, Sawubona, you know what it means? I see you. That's what it means. And if somebody was talking from that tribe, it was saying, you know, unless someone says to you, I see you, you don't exist. And it's like, when you say that, you call me into existence. I don't know what Jesus said, but I know he says something to that woman like Sawubona, I see you. I see all of you. And I love you all the way through. Do you know this is what we've been looking for? To be loved and not known is superficial. When people say they love me, but they don't know me. And to be known all the way through and rejected is our greatest nightmare. It's why we put on the fronts. It's why we spin so much. Because we're afraid if anybody really knew me, Nobody would love me. But let me tell you, friends, to be known all the way down to the bottom and loved infallibly, loved unconditionally, loved completely, that's heaven. Jesus said, I have everything you've been looking for. You've just been going around it all wrong. And I want you to experience it. So that, that's it. I'm done. I, last week, I did a Salem moment. I'm going to do one today. It doesn't mean I'll do them all the time. I love it. You know, anytime I do something new or we do something, everybody goes, oh, you should do that every week. Well, no, but we'll let the Holy Spirit guide us. But Selah, I shared last week, is an important word to me. It's, um, it's in the Psalms, which the Psalms were the, you know, the songbook of the church. And they would sing something important like, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And then somebody might say, Selah, stop and think about that. So I, I want to take a moment. We're just going to reflect on what we said. I want you to understand this Jesus. If you've never seen him washing your feet, if you've never seen him dealing with you this way, if you've never seen the barriers he's gone through, will you go to Jesus? Uh, we're, going to have a, we're going to have a time of reflection. Just reflect on that. How did Jesus come to you? Where have you experienced his grace? And we're going to have uh, some of my friends at the prayer walls. These are pastors and leaders and others. Because if you're in your life right now, I want to say to you, if you've never experienced this, if you've never had anyone love you completely with full knowledge of exactly who you are, will you go to Jesus? Will you, will you go forward? If you've been putting up fronts, pretenses, working so hard on all that stuff, uh, images to get favor, a status to get to the right parties or the right clubs, go to Jesus. He'll undress you of that, but you're safe with him. If that's where you're at today, if you need a church family, if you, want, you need a community like this woman did, 
If you're hungry, say, you know, I, I've, I've been guilted. If anybody guilted you into the faith, it wasn't Jesus. If anybody shamed you and said, oh, you're no good sinner, you know, you're full of shame, all this, and made you feel small, and you kind of crawled into church with your, ta- your you know, tail between your legs, that wasn't Jesus. If anybody abused, was abusive to you like Paul was before he experienced the risen Christ, it wasn't Jesus. He's a father that does not abuse his children. He's, he's, he's there at all times, even in the middle of the night. He that loves us neither slumbers nor sleeps. Somebody once said, if you can't sleep at night, talk to him. He'll be up anyways. He cares. He breaks through the stuff of this world. And if you felt that, pray about where you are, or I invite you, come to our prayer walls. We want to pray with you. We're just going to take a few minutes here. Let's go before God. Open your hearts up and, and go, not to church. Not, don't go to me. Don't go to a counselor. Don't go to the internet. Go to Jesus. Let's come. If that's you, come to the wall or, or open your heart right where you are. to think people that went to altar calls were like weak-minded and and I was thinking that when I was I remember thinking that exact same thing when I was halfway down to first altar call I if I hadn't gone to that place if I hadn't got up and said I need something more and made some kind of move and had courage and not care this woman didn't care what, what the rumor was about her go to Jesus if it's helpful to you come come to the wall don't you know this is a safe place it's a safe place because Jesus is here. Just go to him in your heart. Go to him with your feet. Come to Jesus.
you're going to get thirsty again. But I have water for you, something that will spring up for you. Open your heart to it. Open your heart to it. Make a move toward him. Um, dispel the rumors. Some of you are carrying some stuff. I know I've carried stuff. Even my 20 years here, along the way, I picked something up. You know, sometimes you, you need to shake it off, and you need a community to do that. You need a community to do it together. If you don't have a church home, we're not a perfect church, but we are, you know, committed to being a safe place, safe place to seek, a safe, safe place to search. What did Jesus say? Search and you will find. Knock and a door will be open for you. Ask and you will receive. Which father among you or mother among you, if your child asked for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, would give them a rattlesnake? Your heavenly father is greater than even earthly fathers and mothers. So come to him, be safe with him. And as our worship band leads us into the presence of God together, let's go there in our hearts. Let's stand, let's uh, sit if you need to, kneel if you want to, but let, let, let our team usher us again into the presence of God. And then I'm going to dismiss you with a little homework, okay?